here we are, another episode of Keo Conversations. I hope you're all rocking and having an awesome day. I'm really pumped to share this conversation with Brian Breckenridge. He's the founding director, executive director at Box.org, which is really the integrated social enterprise over at Box.com. Um, and they're serving over nearly over 7,000 nonprofits today with their work. So, so pretty awesome, purposeful work. Um, his, his whole vision and, and the, the work that he leads is really to bring together the social impact and tech worlds together so that they can innovate and, and fulfill their missions. Before Box.org, Brian was over at LinkedIn as well as Salesforce.com founding and, and kickstarting a lot of these similar initiatives in the nonprofit.org world. You'll, you'll see the, the, the conversation with Brian, you can tell right away he's, he's just one of those people, he's pure social good. And he's found a, a, an awesome way to link the for-profit world to the nonprofit world and really drive some amazing social change and, and do a lot of good in, the, in this world. I also see too, I mean, the, this, this work runs through his veins. He's been doing it for, for years now, but it you know, really started back when he was in a fraternity leading um, some of the, the, the volunteer work and, and nonprofit work uh, over there. That's probably the last thing you, you would expect in a, in a fraternity, but you can see through the conversation how this really shaped a lot of the work he's, he's currently doing and, and also you know, kept them in touch with some, some pretty powerful people that are, you know, running large organizations today. But all of it, you know, all of it really isn't possible um, without the reflective practices and the mental and physical routines and practices that, that Brian um, has adopted in his life, uh, journaling being one of them, but there, there are many physical aspects there, a lot of different reflection that, um, that uh, litters through his life that A, has saved his life at one point and, and B, allows him to perform at the top of his game. And that's, you know, really what we, we dive into uh, and, 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 and try to remove, again, a lot of the perceptions and stereotypes around some of these, these practices be, because at the end of the day, by, by doing these things, um, he keeps himself grounded. He keeps himself in check when things are going really well, and also, you know, these practices are helping him bring him out of, you know, the darkest of times, um, so that on a professional and personal level, he can fully live to his true potential. So, really excited to share um, this conversation. That that's enough from me. If you enjoy it, obviously, give us a little love wherever you're listening. An iTunes review or star would be much appreciated. Um, the other thing with the reviews, I uh, would love to start seeing some of the reflective questions that, that you guys are uh, using in your, your daily reflection. So, you know, if you're, if you're taking the time to leave a review, please, you know, leave, you know, one or two questions that have made a huge impact in your life. And I'm going to start sharing those in these intros so that other people around the world can, can benefit. Have the best day yet and enjoy the conversation. Just we'll, we'll start off with um, 
who are you, Brian? You know, what, what, what defines you if you uh, had to describe yourself? Yeah, I, I've said recently that I'm a, a human fully being. Uh, and, um, I think that really does apply. Like, I just want to, I want my actions and my sort of felt aspirations to, to be combined. I just, I, I tend to, to, uh, enjoy life at the, the intersections of worlds. Okay. And, um, you know, my, my parents are uh, awesome people that let my mind be so open when I was a kid that they didn't bias me away from reflection or bias me away from what I was passionate about. They didn't force me down certain paths. And I just always really admired that. And I think I hold on to some of that to this day where I'm bilingual between social impact world and, and, um, kind of the corporate tech world. But I really do feel like more and more that the underpinning philosophy of, of finding integration between my, uh, the life of my passions and the life of my actions they come together and I, I just see to it that passion meets action every day. Sure. But that, that also means that I need to, to stay in the fuel and the practices that, that help me live at those intersections. Cause it can be a little tiring to, to meet at those intersections. And I do think that that wisdom practices or contemplation or journaling or yoga or a formal meditation practice, all of those things really are, are tools for the people that live you know, between worlds. That's beautifully put. I've, I've never heard it uh, described like that. Um, I love that though. I love, I love the terminology of bilingual, um, you know, a bilingual approach or bilingual um, philosophy to your actions and obviously your beliefs, right? Yeah, and it, might be, it might, it might be trilingual too, in a way, because again, for me, it's like, there's, there's the intersection, like my operating model is to just continually check in on, you know, well, what, what is true or what, it, what am I driven to, to accomplish or what am I, you know, kind of ask that, like be in that inquiry, ask why, but then those, you know, ask why I'm pursuing the things I am or why am I passionate about the things I, I'm passionate about, but then also you know, just like checking in on, and, and so it's checking in on the actions, but it's also checking on what's informing it in the first place. Like, well, why am I so aggro about this or why am I so nervous? And so again, it's, it's that, that inquiry that, that really does kind of keep it all true. Sure. But when did you start? Because I think that, I think that's the tough part for, for people. And, and, uh, I've, I put myself in that bucket as well as, as much as, you know, I'm working in a reflective uh, company, let's say, or practice. And, you know, we live and breathe this stuff, but it's easy, right. To, to, to fly through the day or an event comes up or something's placed in front of you for you to react and not take that extra step to, to question yep. the why. Um, 
because the, the way you put it, you almost, you, almost, you almost question on a couple different levels, right? And that takes quite a bit of discipline. Like, where, did, where has that come from? Well, I think my mom is, has a, real, a really deep faith, and she has a Christian faith, but yet I observed her in that state of inquiry, in that state of, of, of prayer uh, when I was a kid. And I didn't really quite get it, and I, you know, I... I didn't, um, you know, I didn't kind of step into a, a, a typical Western uh, religious faith per se, or a, a, a formal faith tradition. But then, in that was observed as a child. Okay. Um, my dad is is quieter. He doesn't need any stage or speech. He's made two speeches in his life. One was at my wedding. Uh, and one was at his sister's funeral. So it's just like he, he, despite, he doesn't find the spotlight. He likes to be sit a little bit more quieter and he likes to take it all in. Sure. So be, between watching him have that, that quiet side and seeing my mom, who was like a pageant queen and, and, uh, you know, a go getter and just like all the drop, like star of the play and everything. She loved the stage, but to see her spiritual side. So I see her like, in the spotlight, but also her faith tradition. But then I see my dad more contemplative and more calm. So I, that's really quick. But in 93, my brother, or yeah, 1993, my brother went to Princeton and he started his, his emphasis in anthropology scholastically, academically. And by God, he, he gets his emphasis in, in Eastern philosophy and Buddhism. And so here's my brother, my little brother, you know, sending me, uh, you know, information and telling me what books to read back at Kansas from New Jersey, where he went to Princeton, telling me about Buddhism. And I was like, I totally get this. Sure. So starting about 93, it was just like, oh, so I'm going to go try yoga. You know, nobody was doing that in the fraternity house that I was in. And that was yeah. the alternative student union out on the edge of campus and everything else, you know, and you had to kind of like look around to make sure nobody saw you go in there. Cause it was just like, yeah. That was that side of campus, even though it was a liberal school. And it was like sure. that the yoga thing totally made sense to me because it was like, wait, I've got this overachiever day job, like getting all these good grades and being the valedictorian at University of Kansas. But then it's like, shit, that that isn't quite doing it. Yeah. The partying and the being a DJ and having all that fun and like all that frivolous, fun social stuff. It, it's still something wasn't fully met. And then it was like, wait, but then I'm suddenly I started balancing it out with this thing called yoga. And then suddenly like, Oh, that makes a lot more sense. I I'm striving in a different way. I'm trying yeah. less hard to try to, you know, fall into people's definition of perfection. And you know, the it's interesting overachievers as good as they have it. They also have a lot of, it's really hard for overachievers as well. And Absolutely. that's what a lot, that's what a lot of practices can balance out. They can really have you worry more about what's present and not, you know, be fighting, for the top for no reason or fighting for the top without any consciousness. Absolutely. Well, and you mentioned something, I mean, well, you know this about, about Keo, but I mean, our focus is really to talk to overachievers and, 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 and talk to people that in whatever your de definition is, right. That are doing well in their work and their personal life and their family and all of this. And the consistent is always some sort of practice like this. And yes. this, this, and you know, and this is the frustrating part. And the reason I'm bringing this up because I, I really want to chat with you about the yoga, especially at that time, because as you know, that's one of our biggest struggles, right? Is how to communicate, how to, I should say, how to unleash the benefits 
of, of journaling, but then of other practices, because it leads to so many other things, um, without scaring people away or without, like you said, you know, having to cross over to that other side of town and be, you know, always second guessing that, that decision. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's always, it's always, um, hard to take on new, new things, but, but, you know, some people will never get a hearing aid and they will take, they will literally as research would shit would say, take a significant hit to their, their cognitive functioning, like their brain mass literally is depleted faster if they don't get a hearing aid and they can't hear well. Okay. But you know, I'm a man in my young forties. And the first thing I did finally was do my best to divorce myself from, from this pride and just go get a device much like I would go get therapy or go, you know, get some help uh, with something. If I knew it served me. And so again, there's a lot of people who wouldn't journal or go do yoga, not be, I mean, you know, even with the, the, the science, let alone the feeling, because there's just some psychological barrier to self care or some psychological barrier to, um, to maybe, and, and I think in part, sometimes people haven't necessarily mapped like the benefit to the practice. And I think, I don't know that that's the, the, like spiritually speaking, the best reason to go take on a practice again is to do better, to make more money, to like literally like to manifest more sort of, of uh, you know, almost like external achievement. It, it, but it turns out that's a byproduct of it. But if you come yeah. to it in a more authentic way, which is just like, I really want to just be happier. I really just want to like feel more grounded or feel more myself or feel more real or just be more almost like fluid or bulletproof in the face of all the stuff in the world. Like that's, that may be a a more almost, you know, it's hard to, it's just easy to bring a lot of judgment to it and a lot of like, um, achievement seeking thoughts versus just like, this is actually just probably going to get me closer to my true self. This is actually just going to make me better, a better me. Yeah. You know, so I just think there's always that concern. I mean, I came to journaling the, the summer before my senior year, as I said, in that piece, that keynote piece that I shared with you Yeah, when I, when I just had an identity crisis, like I just went off the rails, like in my life, that's when I really stepped it up. Uh, that's when running and journaling really took on new a new a new level of importance, and that was when I was about like 19 years old. And that and I still have those journals. I still have them in a in a crate in my house. Okay, I have pretty much every word I've ever journaled for 25, 30 years, in um, in my house. So, um, yeah. but anyway, that that was almost one of those necessity things where somebody had to show me. They're just like, wait, you're actually becoming an enemy of your own. <laughs> you're becoming a prisoner in your own mind. You're, you're obsessing on everything. You're, you know, you're in a, in a wild state of depression and panic. Like, let me teach you about journaling. That was kind of like a real, and it was actually started with art therapy. The guy was just like, well, why don't you just draw, like draw what you're feeling, like you're thinking and you're, th- you're feeling. And that really just helped me start to access what was happening in my brain more. And then that, that manifest more into journaling. And I think as my life has hit big dips or I've fallen out of true alignment with who I'm really meant to be journaling has come back in, but journaling in almost like a journaling 
in some cases less free form and less less just just fluidly like in a therapeutic way and more but also still not like a to-do list yeah you know it's it's it there's a flow in between like i literally like functionally put the to-do lists in the back and leave them away from the rest like that's literally the back page is always a oh do that oh mail that or whatever let's get rid of that shit let's get it out of our head and get it on the page release it you know quit burning brain cycles on it but then come back to the journaling piece and and what informs the journaling and it's not every night i do open the book almost every night but i don't i don't i'm not formula it's not hyper formulaic every night on the journaling side of things but i do think about four categories those are those four belief energy core four which is just the the spiritual the the social tribal the kind of growth health capacity and then fourth the the action part of my life okay and so i'll just sit there literally and put like a big big square on the page it's actually more of an x and then again the bottom is like okay am i authentically in the right state of mind am i are my values aligned and then it's like okay and how are things going with people in the world my family my loved ones my you know the people I'm in disagreement with, et cetera. Like where, where are we, where is all that? And then thinking about, am I growing enough? Am I learning enough? Am I resting enough? Am I healthy enough? Am I trail running enough? Am I, sure. and that's kind of, that's health and growth. What new things am I learning? Where, where am I growing? Where am I not? And that's just kind of like a good scan of that. And then the last is like, okay, now where are we on savings? Where are we on debt reduction? What am I doing with box.org? Like, you know, how are Maya, how's Maya doing in the classroom and so on? The most tangible stuff, like the culture sure. stuff is like the last thing, but that's also, that also gets in there. Sure. You've, you've hit, there's several things here, Brian, that I, I want to chat with you about. Um, okay. First kind of backing up, you said, you said two things that I think are, are really important um, in terms of starting any of these type of practices. Um, one, one being, you, you, you got to a point where, you, you know, you hit a wall of some sort, right? Which, which has come up several times on different interviews uh, with Keo that that is, you know, whether it's, and it's usually it's some sort of physical manifestation, right? You get to a certain point and you just can't go any, any, any longer until a change needs to be made, right? Um, yeah, you just kind of let go of the rope that you're going down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and obviously we're, we're doing everything we can to, to you know, help people not get to that point. But right. the, the other point, and this came up with um, my chat with, with uh, Kelly Boyce, was the whole concept of, we talked about stillness um, and the importance of stillness, which, which completely relates to what you're bringing up. But the notion of you can be, you know, there's a concept of you can be still or slow down to go faster, which people can kind of relate to getting started, but the moment you can find that just to be still, to be still, and like you said, to actually do the practice, um, not with a mindset of, oh, this is gonna make me more productive and you know better results and this and that, like that's where the real magic is. But I feel like people, especially to get people going, you almost have to go through a stepwise approach, right? It's too, it's almost yeah. too much at the very onset of things to go right to that. Hey, I'm doing this for my core. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think there's like, it's easy to tap into the, the glut of self care, self love universe of, of tools, tips, techniques, tricks, wisdom, practices, offerings, spa, 
sure. <laughs> spa services, like you, you name it, but like self-care is they've, they've figured out finally mostly how to language self-care right yeah. now, specifically the categories beneath that, be they contemplative, physical health, uh, mental therapeutic, et cetera. Like those are all, I think all bucketed under that whole notion of self-care. Sure. And, and I do feel like the stepwise approach is important to note for just like helping folks find or allow maybe their full self to show up instead of just a real limited version of themselves or a scared version or an angry version or a sort of like overly competitive version for no, no healthy reason etc. And it's okay to remind people that, and, and, and the technical crew think of it more as like the, the metaphor of clearing the cash, mm-hmm. you know, like, of like your, you know what I mean? Like if you close some apps on your phone, it, it tends to run a little better. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's an interesting technological metaphor here that people like can that. grasp. Yeah. You know, computers tend to like, just kind of clear the cash, clear the browsing history, like stop, you know what I mean? Like clear the cookies, like take, get rid of some of these patterns that are not serving us in our lives. And, and believe it or not, the computer runs better and faster. There's something to be said for it. I love that. I mean, I've never thought of it that way, but I, as you're saying that my mind is spinning a bit, you know, because the result, if you don't do that, you know, the whole computer shuts down. Yeah. It's, it's, it's right? just smokes and burns up. It literally starts smoking and it burns up. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you have to restart a hard restart. So there's, there's, yep. that's a great analogy. Um, the, the, the other point, you know, with your, your different quadrants is that, so is that something that you do? How often do you do that? Is that daily? I throw the book open every single day. Yeah. There's, there's always two journals, physical journals in my life. Maybe okay. one will go online with your stuff, but it's, uh, or both, you know, but it's, um, well, can I, one, can I, can I interrupt you there on that one? Because yeah. I think that's an important point. And what's key about what, what we're trying to do is, and the reason I brought this up with you is that it seems like when you started that conversation, you said, you know, you don't always go into a, a long free writing process or whatever the case yeah. may be. Could just be drawing out a quadrant and it's the act of reflection that, yes. that counts, right? So even for us, um, in our case, if someone, I mean, obviously we want people to, to document their, their, their thoughts in the app. There's, there's benefits to that through the tech down the road, but if, if we're able to help people just slow down and think a little bit and have these questions and have someone read, an, you know, your interview, for example, and reflect, not write a thing down, but just actually think or write it in a notebook or talk to their loved one, then I feel like at least that's, again, that one step in the right direction, mm-hmm. right, to get yeah. into the process. I agree. I do agree. And I think it's 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 simple questions just like, literally just just starting to get in touch with the fact that you are ever thinking or you're you are the human brain is ever calculating and it's ever like future analyzing or 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 past uh reflecting it's constantly there so if you can find a way just to literally open the book and say okay what's here and 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 it does require that you find enough stillness to actually do something that works more than just create the next cognitive uh, grocery list or, or investment opportunity that you want to do the math on or 
you know, sure. whether or not your waistline is small enough, all the bullshit you worry about every day uh, yeah. is, um, it's not helping necessarily. Now it, it's good. I think to, to get that stuff as out of your head as you can and onto the page, because then at least again, you, 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 <laughs> it's like turning off a few lights in the house. You kind of, you relax the grid a little bit, which is nice. Yeah. But, but, um, but I think the real transformative stuff happens when you do find enough stillness to let things truly surface that, that you're, you're suppressing or that you're not asking. So you're running a mile a minute, you're working 20 hour days, you're on flights, you're doing all this, but you don't, you don't necessarily know why you're not, you haven't asked yourself, like you haven't, you haven't gotten yourself necessarily still enough to inform yourself of the why you're doing that. Mm -hmm. And you may even be sacrificing your health and losing your mind. But, but, and, and, and I do think that if you just open the book and put a bunch of, you do something per that, my, my, my core four, then it, it, it can, if you're not careful, very much resemble just your, your next to-do list, which almost gets your mind going even more, which almost like gets you more freaked out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, instead of just truly to your point, just like letting the, the, the part of life that is a bit more messy and is a bit more unpredictable and is a little less, less linear, uh, come out and process that, that part of us out and, and, and frankly be kind to ourselves if we're honest enough. And I think there's a whole, there's a whole chapter to be written or a whole part of this to be thought about, which is the notion of sometimes you're selling yourself when you're, when you're journaling, you are, you are writing things almost worried that if somebody reads it, you'd want them to read a certain thing versus you're literally just like getting well, you know what I mean? Sure. Absolutely. There's a lot to that. It's hard to be really honest. Like it's really hard to say, holy shit. Like I actually, I noticed that dude was handsome, you know, or like whatever. I mean, even if you're completely heterosexual or something like your journal is, is a, is if it's sacred enough, like my family knows they're, they're fucking dead if they read my journals. Right. Because (laughs) I mean, it's just my space. Like it's my thing. And I still, even with that, and even though I know they respect that and I've never once caught them touching my journals, not, I mean, I'm not paranoid, but I'm just saying, Hey guys, this is my sacred space. And if I need to keep getting my, the best benefit, I need to stay honest in this. And that's not always pretty. (laughs) Yeah, no, for sure. You know, absolutely. And you nailed a couple of things because I mean, we for for us as well for the work we're doing, we've we've listed out you know everything we can possibly think of in terms of barriers of you know of adoption, right? Security yep. being one thing, um, but one of the big ones uh, that you touched on is just people being scared of the answers of the yeah, right. questions right. that they're asking themselves. Right? Totally right. So because yep. I mean, you know a question like "Am I happy?" can be a pretty loaded. <laughs> It can a loaded process. So no doubt about it. Absolutely. So I think it's just, you know, you start, the key is starting, starting somewhere and chipping away at it like anything. I mean, you're not, the more parallels we we make to other things that are in our life that are are part of our routines, like exercising, like you're not going to run, you know, a 50 mile trail run the first time around, you know, that's right. So it's, it's, it's no different, right? So, yeah. And I think that's where the prompting pieces are so important to your, to your, what I know a big value of, of the functional part of your work is, is like prompting somebody to say, you know, what, what intimidated you today or what, what really lit me up today or like what, 
You know what I mean? It's just like, yeah. even just saying like, even just even the quadrant that to use your, your description of it, the quadrant, like the thoughts of that are, again, it's, it's a bit of a crutch, but it certainly gives you a canvas to throw some paint on. At least you isolate that you're painting. Yeah. So what, uh, what, what else comes up for you in, in terms of inquiry or, or benefit for your, your ga- information gathering and, and interview and so on? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm going to probably start wrapping up on the, on the practice because I do, uh, but I have one more question before, because sure. I want to get into your work. Um, but what, Brian, what do you think has, has, has helped you stay with these practices long-term? I honestly feel like they have been a, they, they've like journaling has been, it's, it's granite, man. Like it is, it is the middle of the storm. It is the calm in the middle of the eye. It really is. It really is. Like I can even just, just to know that I have a notebook in my bag before I get on a plane just puts me at ease. Wow. Like I really like it is a palpable, tangible, real superpower. Make no mistake. Like it is it is it is a it is a security blanket for better or for worse to know that I have the ability to put some words on a page and that that's going to that's going to help uh me feel better and more grounded and more myself. Guaranteed. Even if that again just helps me and 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 that has always after the first one or two years, like that's just always been the case. Okay. I mean, journal books. Yeah. It's just been it. Journaling has been such a powerful benefit to me that it has guided me through the absolute worst of days and the absolute best of days and yeah. find some equanimity in that. Like, honestly, like it has helped me shrink my head when it gets too big and, and literally come back up from the depths of the, hardest shit in the world. Absolutely. Well, thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Are there any other um, non-negotiables in, in, in your life or in your routine that, because I've, I've seen this before in, in, in an interview where I think it was uh, with Chase Jarvis, a, a well-known photographer, that he's got a list of I know, five or 10 things that he knows that when things start leading astray, all he has to do is go back to that list and you know, writing, um, meditation, you know, there's a lot of similarities I'd imagine that, that you'll probably bring up, but I'm, I'm just wondering if you have a set of non-negotiables. Uh, masturbation is, uh, <laughs> that's perfect. Number is, one, is, that's on the list. Like I'm dead serious. Like I, it's been my friend for, for a long time since my early teens. And that is still, that's still a part of the package. Okay. Um, it's a, it's a part of my, as my therapist once said, it's a part of my full sexuality, which is okay. bless her heart. Just something to put out there. Um, <laughs> I did not expect that, Brian. <laughs> there you, well, there you go. There you I go. Love it. Um, yeah. Okay. So we could call it autoeroticism if we need to fancy it up a little bit. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but no journaling is journaling is it like I can go, I can, I can go a year and do and, and just do yoga 10 times and, um, and I'm, I'm, I wish I were back to it, but it's the demand for it isn't inelastic, right? Like okay. I have a, a somewhat elastic demand for that, meaning it's, it's not a diabetic and insulin, right? It's just like, yeah. but I would say that my demand for journaling is inelastic. Okay. I think that, um, 
snuggling with and, 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 and physically hugging my family and, and, and being mm. with them is, is, is the best medicine for me too. Okay. That is, that, that is really nice. Yeah, really it really nice. is. Like every single night since my daughter was, was born, I've, I've, um, I've sung to her and I've, I've specifically sung ohms to her. Um, and when I was, when, when she was about two and a half, we were in Colorado and we were, we were sleeping in my brother's basement, she and I, and, and I was a single dad for a few years. And, and, um, and so she and I were on the road together at my brother's and, and I was singing ohms to her and I, and I always repeat the phrase all is one, uh, to Maya. Okay. And, uh, and she turned back to me at two and a half and she said, all is one. Da. And wow. what she was saying, what she was saying is all is one daddy. Um, but what it sounded like is all is wonder. And so now, like, even now she's 11 and she's in seventh grade and, and, and I'll just say all is wonder to her every night. Like, it's just that shit. I mean, I don't yeah. care how crazy my life is. I lay down next to her. And now she's this big teenager, but still I lay down on her bed next to her and I just, I sing Ohm to her a few times and then we say that phrase and I just, oh, it's all better. Yeah. It's all better. Pretty it just, cool. It's, uh, man, you're, you're, uh, my eyes are going to start watering up because I we have a, a one and a half year old and it's, you know, the, it, it, he came along in the middle of all this craziness, right? I mean, in yep. the middle of a big yep. career change, all of this yep. and same thing. I, I, you know, there's a, there's a connection there. There's, it just puts, I think it just puts things in perspective. Sure does. And sure uh, does. Yeah. Thank, thank you for, for sharing that. Yeah. And no matter, like I keep checking back in, no matter how much now I have to like worry about her grades and make sure she's getting her projects done and make sure she's at soccer practice with the rights. I mean, she's a big kid now, right? Like yeah. she rides a bus, she takes the ferry on her own, like all this. But the point is like, the through line is, is the, is the snuggle and the ohm and, uh, and the love like that is, that's the truest version of us. But yet even with her, like now again, like we're, she's back in culture. She's fucking in society. She's yeah. in the competitive Bay area trying to get all A's. I mean, it's like, it's wild. And she even, she and I now our new ritual and our family's ritual is to sit in our little, little spot together, our little hot tub. That's our, where we have our family, practice where where we just sat and i've been this has been my other practice and i think i should just say it to you is um is sitting in in saunas like for me to sit in a silent sauna and just let all my sweat come out like for me the sweating is a physical symbol for like releasing and letting go of stress and inauthenticity and greed and yeah all the other things and so i physically sweat out trauma uh, as a practice sure. It's funny. I do this. I do a ten-minute sauna every morning with a meditation in there, and it's all focused brilliant. on releasing, <laughs> so, releasing, baby. I mean, yeah. I'm telling you, like, like allowing is a big word. Like, and 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 like when Kelly said, you know, stillness. I agree with her. Stillness offers us access to a state of allowing, allowing mm -hmm. what's what's going to surface to surface. And journaling gives us a sense and a space for allowance as well. Like, there's allowing. And allowing can be mean, can mean as I see it, allowing abundance to come into our lives, or allowing the the stuff that's tormenting us to to fly away, to release. I mean, so like I do think it's like it's like um, uh, 
like fully, like being a human fully being effectively means you are allowing yourself to be you and you're, you're, you're sort of course correcting to stay back on that, on that path of you, which is a, a infinitely expanded thing. It isn't a tiny little version of you or what's on your business card or, you know, what you're, what you're forced to do in your, in your corporate life or whatever it might be. It's, it's, it's not about that. Yeah. It's, it's about the you when you're hugging your kid at night. It's not the other part that was stressed on whether or not you're going to get the promotion and the stock options or bullshit like that. So, um, those are a couple of quick things I did. I I came up with this word this week that you may want to work into the piece somewhere, which I'm really proud of. And I bought all the URLs for it. It's, um, (laughs) it's, uh, the, the phrase is biznevolence. Okay, I saw that somewhere on your whether it was LinkedIn or yeah, I put it out there on, okay. on LinkedIn. I think you gave it a like, but it's uh, it's uh, it's just it's finding a path uh, of benevolence. And when you look at at benevolence as being you know kindness and big heartedness and altruism and compassion, but also all the tenants that make business fun and exciting and yeah. and scalable. And I think that's that's kind of my that's my sworn mission in life. And I talk about intersections in this piece and the intersections of the being trilingual are for me, this notion of the social impact universe, the corporate universe and the the wisdom universe. And those three together is it's a it's a it can at times be a daunting dance, but I think they all do best together. Absolutely. So that's a perfect, perfect segue. But first, I want to leave you with a prompt for your family spa. Sure. Times. Um, and this is actually, you might already be doing this, but this is coming from actually Sinead's son that uh, started asking the, the family this every day. And it's just simply around the dinner table saying, what, what was the best part of the day? Love it. And, and they go around the table and that's, that's it. So I'm glad you told me about it. It's, we, we picked up something that we do that the Obama family uh, used to do. Okay. And, uh, it's, uh, it's rose and thorn. And then my daughter added rose and thorn and rosebud. And so we've been prompting a little bit on our dinner table discussions, which I think is a beautiful metaphor for Keo, obviously this whole notion of having practical tools for making your life better. And it's, um, the rosebud is what's, what made you, you today, or what, what was good today. The, the thorn is, is, is what was a hard lesson or what was challenging. Mm. And the rosebud is what are you looking forward to? Yeah, I love which that. I think takes her into the future a little bit, you know. And the, the purpose would be to actually be grounded in the discussion. And suddenly it's like now we're thinking about you know your school play next month or whatever. But um, yeah, that's that's hopeful though to look at it more as like what are the fun things that are coming up that we get to be excited about. Sure, sure. Well, thank you. No, that those, those no, are thank great. you for you. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about the work. Um, so Brian, when I was doing the some of the research. The theme that came up was wherever Brian landed in a company, it seemed like a dot org popped up, <laughs> or some sort of yeah. or some sort of nonprofit uh, yeah. part of the company immersed. So, I'd imagine that's not an accident. Um, but how? So, so how did that? Because from from your career path, from what I'm seeing, a lot of it started in sales, right? You yeah, for sure. Time, spent some time in sales, and then then there was a shift. Um, and the last definitely good chunk of your career has been in the nonprofit world. Yeah. So that's that's straddling those two sectors. So it, it does go back to when I was growing up and I, the, the, my affiliation with the local boy scouting organization had me like collecting papers and recycling paper. And I thought, Oh, this is fun. Like go out, mess around with your friends, sit in the back of a truck 
you know, jumping out, running and picking up all the papers that nobody was, was, was picking up and recycle it. So it was just like my social life had some aspect of, of altruism in it. And so it just made sense that I would be doing fun things with my friends and doing something altruistic. So then I went to the fraternity in university and I, I tried to be the president of the house. So it was 120 men in the house and I tried to be the president. My best friend won that. Okay. But then as a consolation prize, I got the, the philanthropy chairman of the fraternity. Oh, so now, okay. <laughs> now you had all these athletes and all these like academics and all these like rock stars who are now like, you know, all these surgeons and dads and leaders around the world and politicians and stuff. But, but I was the guy that was like leading the, um, the auction with our moms, with all of our moms to like raise money for yeah. charity. Uh, and, uh, and like, instead of us having just a party, I would be sure that like all of our kids from, um, from best buddies or, or one of the other groups where the, the kids in the wheelchairs and so on were, were had their day day to day activities. We would be sure like they came to the fraternity in the afternoon and we'd kind of mess around and have fun with them and play hoops with them and, 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 and have a, have a gas. And then they would leave and then we would party like we would yeah. have the party at the house. So, um, wow. so it, it just, started it, there. Really. It started, it started when I was a kid and then it started in kind of like mixing business and, and social impact was like, yeah. Uh, you know, 92 to 96. And then when I, when I joined, uh, when I joined salesforce.com, I joined the company back in 2000 because, in, uh, or when I started, it was, uh, um, early 2001, but I joined because I knew they had a volunteering program. I just thought, Oh, that'd be badass if I work for a company that also uh, yeah. facilitates volunteering. And that just resonated. And that again was a big part of my criteria, even back then, and I'll, 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 I'll round out this introduction to why I kind of put my career on this path. When I signed up to go to work for, for Mark Benioff, when the company, there's about 150 people working in the company. There's like 30,000 now, but I, I signed up to go to work there in a sales territory, but I said, uh, I'll come work here and I'll, I'll be your field sales guy, ironically for Eastern Canada, um, really? <laughs> uh, all the way back then, uh, okay. from there, I did it remotely from there and I failed miserably cause nobody trusted me. I had long surfer hair, but anyway, <laughs> um, this was back in 2000. So 17 years ago. And, and I said, I want to come to work here, but I need your offer to say that it's in two and a half months from now. Cause I'm going to go to India and do a service, uh, volunteering trip for two months in, uh, in the, in the foothills of the Himalayas. And, um, and went over and, and sat in Dharamsala and, and, and worked in a town called Solon in a school and, and did all this stuff, footloose and fancy free. First time I really got outside the country into a significant, in a significant way, we went straight to fucking rural India of all things. Uh, ah. and, uh, from the Midwest and, and that, uh, was, was like so mind blowing that, that I just knew then that I had to, to make it part of my career and my first day back. So my first day on the job after that two and a half months traveling and, and volunteering, I signed up to be on the Salesforce foundation subcommittee or steering committee. Okay. And I was like, okay, cool. I got my, I got my journaling basically, which was for me to be sure that I'm giving back or be sure that I'm generating social impact with my endeavors and leveraging, you know, my, all my assets for good in yeah. some way. And inevitably the more I started volunteering, the more I was talking to the executive tier of my cl clients and prospects about their community work. And so before you know it, I had, I had CEO to CEO access instead of just talking to the, 
the IT decision makers. And I was like, wait, I even, I'm even doing better in my day job because I'm volunteering everywhere in San Francisco. Yeah. And started winning awards for the volunteering. And, and so I got hooked. And then when I, I was volunteer of the year in, in 2004 globally for, for Salesforce, they were really good about recognizing who was like the poster children for, for social impact in the culture. And it just was really cool. And, and I appreciated that recognition in the community and all that stuff. And that, that really fueled it. So then when I, I left Salesforce, I went to their foundation for a few years and built the, the business aspect of it with another person. So we set up kind of that hybrid, the Biznevolence organization at Salesforce. And we went over and did the same thing personally at LinkedIn. We kind of got to start writing our own job descriptions from there instead of kind of fitting into a, yeah. uh, a, mold, a mold. And that applied here at Box as well. So that's, that's four years. We, almost four years we've been out doing the same stuff here. What a story. That's, that's incredible. I mean, I had no so idea. So fun, huh? That yeah. is really um, just so true and authentic is, are the words that come to my, to, come to my mind on how that, that played out. That's, that's great. It's really great. Couldn't oh. expect anything less. And I feel like what I told my, my, my belief energy work, which, again, spawned out of my journaling effectively, I was given permission to do, quote, unquote, given permission to create that belief energy community and the blog and, and put on those workshops for a few minutes with because of some wonderful help from a woman named Rachel Gaunt from Unfurl. And I want her to be one of your next interview interviews. She's my my life coach per se. And um and she came into my life in a significant way as I was seeking like the confidence to 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 manifest the belief energy uh philosophy and, and community. And so she really, again, she kind of helped like facilitate my courage to go do that. And, um, and so she's, she's totally awesome. I have to say, and, and, and that work continued to remind me that if you're going to stay in your zone of genius, like what she would call like the orange part, and she's all about like draw stuff with your left hand and then figure out what you're drawing. She's, She's really big on the Enneagram and I'm sure you've messed around with the whole Enneagram universe and if you haven't it's like the myers-briggs for like more of your psychological self like enneagram okay enneagram e-n-e-a-gram enneagram and it's it's so amazing like you you plot where you are on the enneagram spectrum and then it knows based on kind of like your behaviors and the way you make decisions who you're going to work best with and the types of things you're going to be best at yeah yeah and the areas you're going to need to kind of fix up again like the myers-briggs and all the corporate shit you did back in the life sciences universe this is a little bit more of the hippier version of that so sure. to speak sure more of the kelly boys version of it per yeah. se but uh but but it's powerful and i just put all that out there to say um that 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 when i i'll say this last piece like the journaling stuff kind of helped me realize that that's the core of of inquiry to get to your version of belief energy or fully being and, and Rachel Gaunt gave me some of the permission to share. I realized that part of my truth was I had to share what I had picked up in my life, like getting truer yeah. and truer to my, the type of work I needed to do, the type of all my, all four uh, areas that I focus my energy in social and spiritual and, and growth and action. But, um, I think what I'm, what I'm saying is that I knew that the belief energy stuff had to happen because I couldn't not do it after I gave myself permission. It's just like, I can't kind of not journal per se because I know how good it is for me. 
And, and they say the same of entrepreneurship and so on. You kind of can't not once you know that's where you're headed and what you're meant to bring to the world. Yeah. But let me round it out by saying that, that, um, that Rachel Gaunt effectively kept the zone of genius on my, on my radar and realized how far away from it I was at a time and the journaling was the map to get back to see just how far away from where I was really supposed to be operating, who I was supposed to be married to, what I was doing yeah. every day, how healthy I was. Like it reminded me of how far afield I was, right? And then when I when I when I launched Belief Energy and I created that little blog site that's still jankily out there, um, when I went to interview at LinkedIn for a pretty interesting job to do their stuff around nonprofits, even though it wasn't that defined. They just kind of thought it was an interesting niche to, to go do some work in. Believe it or not, and I'll end it on this, I talked more about belief energy than I talked about anything else. Sure. And just the way I conveyed at the time this hyper-enthusiasm about sharing like this formula for living yeah. well and all yeah. of that, like there was, there was no stopping me from getting a great job there in that process, yeah. even though they probably should have been like, Oh wait, are you sure you're good at sales? Oh wait, are you sure you're like literally know stuff about nonprofits? Cause that's why we think we should, you should come work at LinkedIn and do this great job. But yeah. again, it was just like the conviction of, of the truth of that. Again, in part, the building block of that was journaling and arriving at its, at the strength of it got me a, a job, which frankly really set my career on a, on a whole new trajectory because it was like, I just had that confidence and lo and behold, yeah, I got to start putting on workshops from LinkedIn because they had things called like, um, transformation awards that they gave to employees to go, to go see their passions through and my passion. And what I wanted to do with 10 grand was put on a wallop, just put on a whopper of a workshop. And I put it on in their campus with their AV people and, and their parking structure and their food and their, okay. you know, so it was like literally my day job was facilitating this, this full, my full truest self, my, the genius heartfelt part of me. Interesting stuff, man. I'm sorry to get so, uh, so all over the place, but I just thought there no. might be some interesting nuggets in there. You, well, you literally answered probably the biggest question I had for you. And that was around because our whole principle is people that feel good do good. And the idea, right, of it's, it's hard to get someone that is not mentally and physically, even at a functional level or operating at a high level, to even think of charitable work or think of any type of nonprofit or helping others. Or, or journaling. Right. <laughs> it all seems like a heavy lift. Like volunteering is a much heavier lift than opening a piece of fucking paper yeah. or a napkin and writing shit on it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Getting so, in your car, going down to the school, like getting approval, getting a background check, volunteering. I mean, it can be a pain in the ass. Absolutely. And even and, and imagine how hard it is if you can't even get people to journal, uh, let alone go volunteer. So Absolutely. Keep, sorry, I don't I don't mean to to uh, to to interrupt you. Keep going. No, but that's but but you answer I think you answered that whole principle of of cuz my question was going to be, you know, how how do you get people to that, that point where, you know, basically where your partners are at essentially, right? They're doing these things in the world. They're, they're, they're doing incredible um, work. They've got incredible missions. They're helping um, a ton of people, right? Um, yep. And you, you essentially answered that whole, that whole question with the help of Rachel's work uh, on, on your path and journaling and all of it to 
be true to yourself so that you can do all these other things. Well, I'll tell right? you what, like there's a, there's a, there's this notion of, of, of understanding your inner and your outer North star. Yeah. And your, your, your outer North star might be to have a million bucks in the bank and a decent house and, and a, and a car you can rely on and a, and a family that, that, you know, can buy clothes every year to, to go to, you know, have new school clothes. That that's, yeah. that's outer North star. Inner North Star might actually be to just continue to be true to yourself and what you're really capable of and meant to do. And I do think that the practices like journaling and some of the others that we've spoken about, they help you reconcile your inner and your outer North Star. Sure. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. That, that's, that's, a, that's magical stuff, man. That's just like stuff you can tap into. Yeah. With, with some of these, with some of these practices, it really is. And it, and, and it can begin to snowball in a really positive way. And I yeah. think journaling became belief energy, became a cool new career path at LinkedIn, became uh, box.org became, you know, I can just kind of speak to that. Or it's even like uh, Kansas boy, like going to college, depressed, car broke down, no money, getting drunk too much, yeah. almost suicidal. Yeah. Start journaling. Boom. Next career. Move to California. Boom. See India. Get another thing. Da, da, da. I mean, it's just like, yeah. It's interesting that those, and every life has that those different story curves, right? Elevations and 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 uh, and the opposite, and the crashes and so on. But it's just like, man, there. Something like journaling can be it can be that 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 sort of thread that that's woven through all of it that really does help get to those north stars and untap the potential and. And again, that's untapping the potential of self-awareness as well as accomplishment. Those are kind of, those are two realms that it helps with. Sure, sure. Well, thank you for sharing all of that, Brian. I, I mean, I have, yeah, to get your, I have to get your three prompts. That's key to the, uh, to the app and interview. You know, three, three key questions that you ask yourself on a frequent basis or during big life-changing events. Uh, number one, it's just like, what 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 is here right now question mark or what's present mm, love that and then number two is just broadly you know am i fully being question mark mm. and number three is just like why question mark wow but i do yeah. think i do think there's another one in there that's just kind of like i have to circle on gratitude as well which i haven't but i spend a lot of time the very most simplest thing is like if my brain doesn't have any patience for the, the core four, I'll just literally just like list out the gratitudes across the board. Now it turns out the gratitudes often start aligning with the core four. Yeah. Like, okay, what am I grateful for spiritually? What am I grateful for socially? And then, you know, uh, mentally and, and physically and, and emotionally. And then also just like tangibly, uh, what am I, what am I, grateful for but i i really think it might even be that like it's you know what's present right now what am i grateful for and am i fully being perfect i love that